0: Hi everyone, I am Martina Cunha and you are listening to Backstage Talk. Hello everyone, welcome back to Backstage Talk. Today's guest is Philip David Stern. He has composed original music, scores and orchestrations for live theater, film, television, concerts and dance. He is also the founder of New York Stage Originals, a company dedicated to creating new stage theatricals. His latest work is Stone Crossed. This musical tells the story of two young lovers whose lives are changed forever when they inadvertently cross the divide. Falling instantly in love, Stoney and Jewel discover that they are more the same than they are different, despite what they have been taught to believe and start to question what has been painted in stone. Will these stone-crossed lovers choose a shorter life together over a longer life apart? We only have to see it on stage to know. The 2021 Studio Concept album features Broadway favorites such as Antonio Cipriano, Christina Labato, Alex Boniello, Celia Rose Gooding, and Tilly Leung, among other amazing artists. Philip, it is an honor to have you over. Welcome to Backstage Talk.
1: Great. Thank you for having me. So great to be here.
0: Um, first, Philip, I, wa- I want you to tell us a little bit about yourself, about your background, how you ended up in theater, and yes, basically who you are and all your work, because you have a lot under your belt.
1: Yeah, I've, I have a very uh, um, sort of eclectic, um, diverse background, and um, that was purely by chance. Um, I uh, started in Canada, I'm Canadian and American, um, but I started in Canada as um, really studying as a youngster um, classical composition at uh, the Royal Conservatory in Toronto and mm-hmm. u- under Samuel, uh, Samuel Dolan, who, who's a Canadian. Uh, he's really, was a serial 12 um, tone composer. Um, and I kind of fell into pop sort of on the side with bands as, as all kids do. And as we all do at some point, (laughs)
0: that's right.
1: Everyone has been in a band. Um, and so I was in a band and I was writing songs or what I thought were songs. Um, (laughs) and that's another subject, right? What is a song? Um, so, uh, I actually, um, at 20 years old, I wrote a a song for Toronto called Toronto's You and Me. And that was, uh, and it won a Toronto song contest. And that was kind of my first song. I kind of, um, that was out there. Um, and so I was kind of straddling songwriting and classical composition, because at the same time, I started writing small little symphonic things. Okay, uh, so th- that's kind of my Canadian sort of side was that, and I started writing um, later on for film and TV. Um, so, uh, and I didn't really, I wasn't. I have to say, I've not really been. I'm not one of those people who says, "Oh yeah, I was, you know, taken to Broadway shows and as a kid, and and that's how I learned it." And as her, I, I actually never really thought too much about musical theater as growing up. And I, I knew about it. I went to like, a funny thing happens on the way to the forum. Mm-hmm. I love, I know I love guys and dolls. I, um I joined a cabaret and, and sang in a cabaret, but my, it was kind of peripheral. My, my musical theater background, it was kind of not something I was seeking. And, and so when we moved to New York, I, um. You know, I thought about studying jazz, so I did the BMI Jazz Composers Workshop and and still was not really in musical theater. I was still kind of – I did some film and TV work and uh, such. Uh, but my first musical that I did was a version of A Christmas Carol called Scrooge, and mm-hmm. we did that. That was a 40-minute one-act thing that I later expanded into two acts to be a full um, – kind of concert almost oratorio musical theater a very weird hybrid because and i say it's kind of weird hybrid because i didn't really come up with the tradition come into the tradition as a lot of musical theater composers do at all i didn't really when i wrote scrooge i the producer at first we thought that it was supposed to be a ballet Mm -hmm. so i had all these like motifs and and i was like sort of developing it like motivically not thinking yeah. oh song 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 I I sort and so then when the producer said no no this should be a musical I said what okay so I went back and I used some of those motifs <laughs> so um it kind of is this very strange hybrid this first musical I wrote of being um more of an orchestral um recap recapitulation of motivic um, elements. And so over the years with Scrooge, because it it kind of found a little bit of an audience and we started touring it. Mm -hmm. I started, Oh, okay. Musical theater should have actual songs. Like (laughs) where, so I actually started developing it into more, um, with more spots where there was actual, you know, um, um, moments emotionally heightened moments that needed song so it does have two or three actual songs in mm-hmm. it but most of all scrooge is a very unusual um and i think i i don't think i could write it again if i tried um and i think that's kind of cool because you people get all these ideas of what a musical is supposed to be and i had yeah. no idea what a musical was supposed to be <laughs> And so I think I could never write in that way again, because it's kind of being, you know, okay, you gotta have a want song. you got to have this and this, this is what makes a musical. So I think it was really interesting for me that I didn't come up with, come into that tradition. That may be a really bad thing because, you know, I think it, um, it can make the struggle harder, you know, when you're trying to write a musical, when you don't really, when you haven't really studied the form. Mm -hmm. So I came to it in that way through jazz music, through classical music um, and writing um, sort of from the outside of the industry. I wasn't really inside with, you know, um, uh, with folks who I could, you know, call on to say, you know, you know, what, how do I approach this? So I was kind of coming at it from this filmic um, motivic thing. So... Over the years, like we started this company, my wife Lisa and I, um, Lisa Hopkins, and we started this company called New York Stage Originals, and we we started touring Scrooge, and then we created a tap dance show called Tap Kids, and I started developing other stuff that could be toured. I, I created Midsummer Night's Dream called Dream, and slowly, I kind of was kind of because because we were living in New York, you know, kind of seeing more shows. Mm-hmm and getting more used to the form um, and sort of developing more what is kind of um, what I would say is more expected, I guess, or not expected. But like more, a more sort
0: traditional of... sound for musical theater.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and I, and that saying that with a grain of salt, because like we all know that can be many things yeah. like, um, and so, uh, but with the, with the, con- with the construct of, you know, um, you know, this, the uh, more of more thinking in, in terms of the actual structure, mm-hmm. being able to, you know, think about points in musically where, um, you know, a song is warranted or, um, so anyway, uh, I, um, I'm trying to lead up to Stone Cross here how that happened. I wrote a show called young dr Jekyll actually dream Oh let's go back to Dream because I started doing the workshop here up in Vermont and went great um and with with students, high school students, mm-hmm. and college students and then we said, Oh, let's do another workshop, let's do our young dr jekyll and um so I had the show young Dr. Jekyll, and I found it like oh, we have to write a whole big group number now because we have this whole group of kids who needs, needs material. So um, started deve- started kind of changing the, the piece a bit to fit like this group of kids so they would have stuff to do and stuff to dig their teeth into. Um, and so after that production, I thought to myself, wow, it's really challenging to find material that's diverse, has a message, um, so, and, and can have like enough interesting characters to kind of, um, keep everyone's interest and involvement in the show, um, as actors. So they can, mm-hmm. so they have a lot of material. So I started after that young Dr. Jekyll experience, I started, well, I should create, create something that is colorful, is is has a message, a universal message, um, can can be cast with with a universal cast, um, and then I started thinking, well, I should put it, you know, back somewhere with an open palette um, in a time frame that's, you know, we don't really know much about. Mm-hmm. That's very simple. Um, mm-hmm. So I thought of the, you know, the back in back in the Stone Ages would be a, a great. A great
0: time and space for this, for this open palette.
1: Exactly. For this a world that seems in our minds sort of simple. Mm-hmm. Um, but yet I wanted to create a space where the environment, the earth was a part of the story and where the earth could be a metaphor for stuff going on today. So the earth, the the story has... This fault line, which divides the two sides, and that's kind of like the the West Side Story kind of
0: thing, mm-hmm.
1: Romeo and Juliet. Um, yeah. And the Earth kind of speaks in the show; there rumbles, and there's also a glacier that's melting. Um, uh, uh, it gets upset. Um, they all think it gets upset. Um, and so, I wanted to sort of create an atmospheric metaphor. For, as a character, and and I felt like you know if if you can put it in a rocky landscape where where whether it's it's hot in the day, it's cold at night, mm-hmm. and extreme temperatures, and they're all struggling to survive to 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 find food, um, and so that's kind of was the sort of uh, place. And I and I, I and then the Romeo and Juliet <clears throat> structure felt so natural mm-hmm. for the show yep. to have, you know, Stony and Jewel, and they're all the characters are named after rocks like basalt and feldspar. Um, I guess I in my in hindsight I could have delved deeper into the character names. Um, I was trying to kind of create sort of character. Um, metaphors for their, you know, for their names, for their like, what a, you know, what type of stone is basalt? What type of stone is feldspar? Um, pumice is another, you know, character side mm-hmm. character. So, um, so they're all named after rocks. And we have a quartet of lovers. The two uh, stony wanders across the fault line and um, meets Jewel, but he is not supposed to go across the fault line so the whole the whole thematic element is about asking questions so he they when they meet each other they question why they can't kiss they they start to question and they take a chance because they've been told they'll get a disease if they if then they, they might die if they die and um the disease thing was actually pre-covid i you know no idea that that would you know there would be this pandemic going on so that's but, either a good good or bad thing, I don't know, um,
0: but, <laughs> but it, it, it just fits into the the musical <laughs> I know so yeah,
1: so um do you want me to continue talking about that the the that's kind of this sort of storyline thematic stuff Or do you have?: I actually
0: things? want to go a little bit back into the the creative process of where where did you actually like start? did you start with music or did you start with the book or because you just said that you started uh thinking about this time and space in which it could fit any cast and it yes. could be performed by any performer so yeah, yeah that that in, is my question yeah. on on the creative process
1: yeah um so i started actually and i'm trying to think back this is 2000 18 i think i started looking at i started looking at how how romeo and juliet would be in the stone ages and so i started this plotting i really actually started plotting out the book first which is kind of unusual for me because i'm sort of one to like go on the keyboard and like slam out oh cool melodies and you know and sort of start in the wrong spot, so I actually tried to tell to sort of discipline myself. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, but... <laughs> like being a musician, you, like the the normal thought process would be music first, story later. Yeah. So for for this for Stone Cross, the challenge was the other way around. You started by the story and then started playing music.
1: Yeah, I started with the story and I started sort of thinking of the characters and who they were and what this world was like and um, what, you know, and then I started thinking about, um, I started actually thinking about there that they have these human traits that we like, um, you know, like we hear about how Europeans came to North America and they wiped out all the buffalo.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it seems to be this pattern of causing extinction. So I, I thought, I, going back in time, in my head they they got rid of the woolly mammoth, and so they were hunting mice. All that was left are mice. So in fact, this, the show used to begin with a song <laughs> called "It Was Just Mice," and they were mice, mice. <laughs> so bad. Okay. So anyway, <laughs> so so as you'll hear, the um, the the beginning changed a lot. It. Um, it was the beginning used to be more about this struggle for survival. And that's how they crossed the fault line because they were hunting and cr- hunting each, each other's um, territory. Though Stoney, the main main character ends up being a vegan. <laughs> he's a herbivore. Yeah. And his father is like, huh, how did this ever happen? My son, he's a herbivore. <laughs> um, so in, and that, John Rua sings that song. Um, A father's job he's trying to teach him how to hunt so yeah so my creative process began with the book and then in the summer of 2019 I really started just sketching motivically and I actually tried not to write songs per se and I guess I was Mm -hmm. going back to my old sort of ideas of like motivic development so i had this opening theme idea this kind of world sort of on the verge of like something like lava and steam and stuff um and i started developing motivic themes and those slowly morphed into songs like stoney's i want song is really the same as tony's in west side story he something's out there Mm -hmm. so he sings in um in the second piece he sings um just out of reach where every everything he doesn't know what's there in front of him it's all out of reach i i I, you know I, i can see it i can you know but it just slips away um and that harkens back to this being a Coming of age story, coming of age stone age story. Really, that's what this this musical. Another thematic element I kept thinking about was um, this coming of age and stone age. So I start I, I started writing that and similarly plotting um, his about his co his best buddy Tough, who has a condition. He doesn't sweat. He is a panther, so he had never known what it's like to sweat, but he drools everywhere. And that's um, where you,
0: you you inserted the the late motif of um, da da de, da da is really kind of cool. Yeah, I, uh, that, I that's got an, it. yeah, that's in one. I think it's like the third or fourth song, and I loved it.
1: Oh, great! Yeah, and that's really um, where, as as a writer, I start started of wondering about tone and and how far one can go because the show does get really serious mm-hmm. in the second act. Yeah. Stoney has this whole like operatic um, mm-hmm. pop operatic thing at the end where he's mourning uh, Scrooge. Oh, Scrooge. I'm in Jewel. <laughs> 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 That's interesting. Um, so it's interesting tone wise, I think. And I'm always learning and I feel like I, I, it's all that shaping like sculpting. Mm -hmm. Knowing how if the sculpture works, like when you're adding something that becomes kind of lighter and sillier. And do you know what I mean? Like I started to Mm -hmm. wonder. That's one piece that I wonder, along with number 10, Magma Drama, if the tone was getting too young sounding. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I just I was worrying more about is it consist is it consistent enough or do I even need- and then you go oh, do I need to even worry about that this a musical theater mm-hmm. you know anything goes right um or does it so i um so when i started writing pieces like that i really sort of was trying to think about um the character arcs of all the the, the characters like tuff and telling the story in, involved like keeping keeping the story moving with a side character too because he's a really i i really love tough because i i really relate to him um and so you know hiding a condition and um he and so but being stood up for by stoney
0: mm-hmm. and
1: stoney is this we, we portray him as a big tough guy but he's actually a pacifist yeah and I think that's really interesting too, not stereotyping the characters. We also, I also like was really interested in strong female characters who um, control their destiny. And I feel like, again, I was trying to write material that could be dug into by, by anyone or by anyone, but mm-hmm. in particular, because at the time I was thinking about like workshops and, and so Jewel actually goes to Stony in the beginning of the second act. And usually Romeo and Juliet uh, Romeo goes to Jules. So mm-hmm. I was trying to reverse stuff. And I also she, the girls actually start to really question in in um just like normal. Uh not just like normal. Um uh which is a song? Um anyway, the the Jewel and her her cohorts, they um Jewel is supposed to be married to Basalt, but she's going, it just doesn't feel right. But they're saying, go along with it. You know, it'll mm-hmm. be it'll be fine, but she's questioning already. So the whole theme of asking questions and these girls who are strong, they're hunters. So at the beginning, one of the characters, side character pumice comes in with a rod of mice. She's a hunter, you know, like really cool. And they're very strong. And um, so, that is another theme that I, I, I wanted to reverse character stereotypes and reverse this co- overall concept that we have of female characters having to be stereotyped in a certain way, um, and also male characters um, in a certain way. Mm-hmm. And in fact, we suggest a you know relationship between felspar and basalt at the end. We there's all sorts of ways it can be played and 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 um, played with the, these characters. So, um,
0: and I love this, um, like idea of reversing characters and having like, uh, turning around the stereotypical characters, uh, because one can listen to that through the cast recording, like through the, the, the music and through the, the songs, one can feel that, uh, yeah. like you just said, stony, um, is portrayed as this really tough guy, but in the end, it's a pacifist and it's a sweetheart. Um, yeah, and he ends up standing up for his friends. Uh, or uh, Jewel and, and her cohorts um, are this really strong female characters, and one can listen to that through the songs.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I'm so glad that that that's you 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 get all that. I love that. Um, and so. Uh, yeah. So as I, you know, I continued to develop motivically in the summer and I was really just had a sketch pad of like I go at piano and I write motifs. And then I stu- then I brought my guitar and I actually I'm not really a guitar player, but I, I studied guitar as an as a kid and classical guitar. And um, I actually started getting blisters on my fingers, <laughs> as the song goes. Um, so uh, I started incorporating a lot of guitar. And I felt like it sort of the tone started to feel right to me. Mm-hmm. So the so guitar bass and I have a sort of progressive rock background too. Uh, so I started thinking, well, I shouldn't really be afraid to like, you know, delve into like stuff that you know resonates with me and might resonate with these characters. I started actually thinking oh, I'm going to keep all the instruments natural. They're going to all be like, this. going to be no electronics. You know, it's going to be real pure, like natural, you know, everything with skins and nylon strings and everything, you know. But that ended pretty quickly when I added trombones, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> electric <laughs> guitars. And then it's like, oh, okay. Look at this palette of, you know, it transcends time, you know, the stone, it's the stone ages, but, you know, we're talking about a story that should transcend sort of, um, trying to be a purist Mm -hmm. and it's a, it's
0: a, it's a universal story. So it works with, with electronic, um, instruments. Yeah. It, it just works.
1: Yeah. And I, like, I was, you know, I've been in the studio with, you know, other shows, like scrooge where i've had the whole orchestra in front of me Mm -hmm. but this is in in the pandemic this was totally different yeah and i just treated it like a pop record so it ended it started up pretty simple with me having tracks i'd used in um in a work in the workshop that was part of this whole development process and i took those tracks and i started uh, they were kind of my basis um There were a lot of MIDI drums, which I replaced with live drums. There there was a bunch of bass, which I got, you know, bassist to, you know, cover all. So I I did have a, I had a one full two, like one and a half day session in New York pre-pandemic with the drummer and bassist. And we laid down a ton of tracks.
0: I wanted to ask Um, you actually uh, about the, the cast recording you did. You all did this through or during the pandemic, right?
1: It actually started slightly before the pandemic in mm-hmm. february of 2020 with um antonio cipriano was actually um the first in the studio and he actually recorded in three different places cuz after the pandemic he went to, he was near tennessee he was in north carolina so he drove up to tennessee he recorded some more there and then he ended up in la mm-hmm. And we recorded more there too. So um, so I answer your question, yeah, like started um, recording started in uh, New York pre-pandemic. I had a rehearsal with Christina pre-pandemic, but then the pandemic hit, everyone scattered. Yeah. And then we did a remote recording much later in July uh, of all of her stuff. Um, telly, um, he came over to my apartment. I was in Harlem then in actually December of 2019. We had a rehearsal, and wait, yeah, so he actually I think he was the first we we recorded at douglas studio with him in in Brooklyn, and he laid down his songs in january late January of yeah, so he' was the first actually um so so a few singers pre pandemic and then it was just like boom and when it hit it was like everyone left the city. It was like yeah. so crazy. I mean, we were leaving it was like Exodus from New- <laughs> <laughs> It was so crazy. I remember the day, like, it was like um, when Lisa and I said, well, you know, we better just, you know, New York's shutting down basically. Um, let's go back up to Burlington. And I remember like the, that subway ride to no one was on, on the subway. Mm-hmm. It was like crazy. And then um, the Uber driver I got was like coughing away. I was going, hmm, should I be worried? So I cracked open the window. (laughs) Um and then I ran to the car. That's a I'm digressing here. But um uh so yeah, pre-pandemic recordings and then ended up. The rest um virtually. And it was actually very cool because honestly, there's really not a heck of a lot of difference when you can talk to the it's like you and me now. Mm -hmm. I can talk to you. So if you're singing a phrase and it's like, no, can you like be a little more like sad and heartfelt in that? And, you know,
0: yeah.
1: and it's boom, it's right. It's like I'm in the other room. So with recording, I feel, um, you know, there's really not there wasn't really, you know, doing it in a pop way where you're layering stuff. It really doesn't affect too yeah. much. And it's actually, you know. It's kind of cool in a way because, um, well, I think for the composers and, and producers, because they can kind of, you know, be really hyper-focused in their not have to like spend an hour in traffic, getting all frustrated and blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. Mm-hmm. They're hyper-focused on the material. Yeah. And so I think for me, I, I feel like one hangover from the COVID thing is that I'll probably still do a bunch of virtual sessions because I'm on on track to do Scrooge next. Um and I'll do some live, but I feel like I could do a lot of it, you know, virtually. And that means the palette of um artists too, because, mm-hmm. you know, wherever they are, they you know, no one has to, you know, spend two days to get wherever they're going. Yeah. So.
0: I, I I wanted to um ask you, now that the cast recording is out and everyone can listen to it on streaming platforms, where is the musical headed next? Do you wanna Look for the funds and produce it. Do you want to do uh, and an, try to do an out of town run or an off Broadway run? Uh, where yeah. do you want to go with this musical? Yeah,
1: I mean, one of the prime reasons for doing the you know creating a cast recording was to have it in a permanent place. Not that it, not that the show is fixed. Mm-hmm. I think every every show changes once they get into production and stage, yeah. but having it in a fixed place with um clear clear story like in the in the in the in the digital liner you get a pretty clear um sense of the story if you download the album and yeah <laughs> <laughs> you'll get the digital liner i'm not plugging that by, by <laughs> any means. but um so um that i think for producers their their time is limited they're looking at a lot of stuff to be able to go easily to a place where they can listen to the music and say, hey, this is cool. I'd like to get involved. So sure, I am totally, you know, I I feel like, number one, I would love colleges and high schools. I'd like to get this to licensing because I think it'd be super fun. It has a really universal message. I think it has educational value with the message. And I think vocally it could be very interesting for the kids because there's a lot of different material choral like not different but I mean choral material there's there's challenging some mm-hmm. challenging tenor stuff too as you maybe heard in like some of the pieces Antonio sang which yeah. you know can be really great uh, for for so I think educationally I'd love to see it out there and I I think um, you know the whole Broadway off Broadway touring again I think it would do well um, and I th- I think I think it would be loved by a lot of people but you don't know. And I do, I think, um, so I am, you know, I'm, I'm open to developing it. So yeah, your, your producers in Colombia, hit me up. <laughs> 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 um, but I actually, I actually um, am, I, I have been producing tours myself as, a, you know, and I feel like at this stage where I'm at now, I am wanting to back away. So I am looking for a lead producer for the show. Um, someone who can shepherd it through through the channels of of um financing and uh you know um off broadway or or tryouts or more development so that's in my mind because i feel like and i think a lot of creators creative artists feel like this way is that it's difficult to balance the business and creative Mm -hmm. and i think um it's great to have someone just taking care of those elements and it lets freeze one to be more creative and to do the changes that need to be made or to pursue other creative avenues to keep healthy creatively. So that's, that's where I'm at with that, with, with, with stone crossed. So, and, and I feel like, you know, a lot of, I always have been approached and uh, by singers like, where can I listen to your stuff? Where can I you know, um, sing the music? um how could you know sheet music and so i feel like it's the start for me of of sort of documenting the stuff so it can be in a place people can find i want to have the sheet music online so they can find that and enjoy the material Mm -hmm. and hopefully useful for them too so yeah
0: well philip i love this um my last question for you is if someone wants to contact you what is the best way to get a hold of you
1: I think um, nystage at gmail dot com. That's nystage at gmail dot com. Um, that's that's a great way. You can also go to pdstern.com. dot com. That's the website, um, and I think you can look up stonecrossmusical.com dot com too to get Stonecross stuff. And you can go to Broadway Records yeah. also to actually get the album and iTunes and all those other other platforms. So. Yeah.
0: So listeners, now you know, if you want to work or you want to sing something that Philip has uh, created, go to his website and check out Stone Crossed on their Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. And please do yourself a favor and listen to that amazing cast recording. Philip, this has been a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much for coming over.
1: Thank you, Martin. I so appreciate it.
0: I know that it will be great, um, and I cannot wait to see where Stonecross goes.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Thanks, everyone, for listening to this new episode of Backstage Talk. Remember to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Backstage Talk Podcast.